kids. I mean, yeah, ain't no mama Dishes, got time for stains. dry cleaning you gotta and wear some oh, camouflage. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. You need like the black. <laughs> yeah, black. black. <laughs> or camo. <laughs> they could make a prettier camo. Hello, friends. Today, I have another in-studio friend visiting to talk. We've become pretty fast friends this year through our Charlotte Mason book study. She's a wife, mother, home educator, professional photographer, and writer. We get along, if you couldn't tell. I asked her to come on the show to talk a little bit about photography getting to know Charlotte Mason, and a couple of other things that we like and we have in common. So welcome to the show. Welcome to Bestowing the Brush, Heather. Thank you. (laughs) So this is Heather Hall. If any of you are wondering who the creative genius is behind all the lovely professional shots that are on my Instagram, it's Heather and she goes by Kindred Story, at Kindred Story there. So you'll have to check her out after you listen. She, in the past, has written about minimalism, travel, life with littles, parenting, and other things. I really got um, acquainted with her blog when we first met, and I loved her website and all of her work there. And I, I just knew we were going to be friends, honestly. <laughs> I thought... We're going to be friends. Okay, so Heather, we talked a little bit about how you're a writer and a photographer. Did you know that you wanted to go into photography? No. Okay, so did you go to art school and then decide I like photography? Yeah, I went to a small private liberal art school and studied fine art. And photography was one class. It was film photography, black and white. Mm -hmm. And to be totally honest, I hated it a lot. But that's only because I did not understand it. I did not understand how to manipulate my camera. I didn't understand the interchange between shutter speed, aperture, and ISO. If I had understood those things really and had been confident that my photos were going to be properly exposed and just what I wanted, it would have been a totally different thing. But on a film camera, you can't immediately see if your shot is exactly how you want it. It's a crapshoot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You have to know what you're doing. And then we had to develop all of our own film, and that was a process in and of itself that I just wasn't good. It was tedious to me and so time-consuming, and then, you know, then we would go and actually expose our images from the film and, you know, go to the black room and do all the chemical baths and figure out what on earth we were doing, but... I didn't like it. I, cause I wasn't good at it. You know, my kids now are like, Oh, after the first time, I'm not good at this. I never want to do it again. (laughs) I don't know anyone like that. (laughs) (laughs) Takes a little practice, honey. (laughs) 
but I, I felt like that. I'm not any good at this. I don't want to do this anymore. And it's just, and I'm tired of the smell and I can't <laughs> make it how I want. Chemicals. And yeah. And so yeah. I walked away from college, not loving photography, but when we were missionaries in Argentina, I got my hands on a very nice digital camera and because we were in a new place, when you're in a new place, you see things with totally different eyes than people, than when you live somewhere forever. Like if somebody not from Omaha came to Omaha, they would take the most amazing photos, I bet, because they're looking at it with totally different eyes than we are. The things that we're very used to and are normal are novel to them, and so they capture them in a different way. And it was like that for me when we were down in Argentina. And so I was loving playing with my camera and documenting it, but documenting it in the most beautiful way possible. And then I started sharing them and I got great feedback. I loved what I was doing and other people were giving me good feedback. And then when I got stateside, I had... A couple of friends who said, would you do our family photos? We'll pay you. And I was like, I literally just have this little digital camera, but they're like, yeah, we want it. We want you. And so I did. And one of the guys who had hired me uh, to do his family photos, he said, you should really do this for real, like for real, for real, like get a good camera and do this. You just should. And I was like, maybe I will. <laughs> and at that point, I had already had Alice and she was a baby, probably about half a year old. And I still just had my little digital camera, but a friend of mine who was also a mommy and a photographer was encouraging me and she showed me how to use a new camera. I got my hands on a, well, it was a crop sensor, Canon 60D with a 50 millimeter lens. And so she showed me how to use it and I needed that. I needed somebody to actually show me how to use it. And then I got the immediate feedback on the LCD screen of what I just did and what did I do wrong and how do I fix it? And having that coupled with somebody actually next to me to tell me, oh, it's underexposed because your aperture is too narrow or your ISO is not high enough or your shutter speed's too fast. You need to do this. All of a sudden I understood how those three things work together to make a great photo. And then from there it was just, it was fun. It just took off. But yes, I read, I just consumed material and then experimented. And yeah, from there, um, I began to attract more clients and build my portfolio, and then I could create my business to be how I wanted it to. Once I did the work, I, I still had to do the hard work. <clears throat> I think a lot of aspiring photographers now, you know, we're, we're a dime a dozen, but if you pursue it and you get good at your art... And 
you know how to work with people and you understand how to build your business, then you'll, then you begin to separate yourself. Then you begin to move beyond portfolio building and attracting the ideal client that you want. And now, now I get to, I don't, I don't work super frequently. I don't take photo shoots every day, all year long. I have a very nice break during the winter. I call it hibernation, but I do a lot of commercial work with some local higher education. Um, but yeah, primarily do lifestyle family sessions and senior photos and not the, not the put your fist under your chin and, and pose real pretty, but the I like to tell my girls, and I only take girls, by the way. I, oh. I do not photograph guys. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I just, I have a hard time with guys. They just lean on things. I can't, <laughs> I don't know how to have them do things because, you know, they don't have like long hair and flowy dress. I like movement. Mm-hmm. I want my photos of my senior girls and of my lifestyle clients. I want movement. I want a moment. I want an anthropology editorial. And I can't do that with guys. There's no movement. <laughs> so, and I'm a girl. I know what it's like to be a girl and I feel very comfortable with girls. I know how to encourage girls. And so mm-hmm. I just like to work with my girls. And mm-hmm. so we have a lot of fun um, trying to capture those things instead of the the formal traditional mm-hmm. senior photo. There's a place for that. There's totally a place for you gotta that. You got to have a portrait in the yearbook. Got to have a portrait. Yep. It's not what you do. But I just want to make it pretty. That's kind of my mantra. Make it pretty. <laughs> I totally I I see the movement in your work. Oh. You and it's not like I mean, you're not just working with like blurry. Right. It's not like blurry movement. It's like You've really captured a moment in time where you think you know something's happening and there's mm-hmm. a moment happening. You're really good at that. Movement is so important. I think, you know what, even in the bulletin board workshop that I taught last weekend at Postscript in Ashland, movement was one of three components that I talked about because it is so important in your work. It's fine looking at a still life and looking at it there's beauty there. There is something so valuable about being able to faithfully translate what you see into painting and to have something beautiful that's thought-provoking that speaks to other people. But movement is so special in the way that it captures not just our attention, but our memories I find that it's movement and shadow that really take you right back to that moment. I think we are in a movement of photography right now, at least on the editing side, where people tend to overexpose. They want the light. They want the bright. They don't want the shadows. They don't want the contrast. They like how eerie it is, which is nice, but it's the shadows that are provoking and that kind of suck you right back into that time 
something I like about that is life and light. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, those are themes. Life. And I think whether it's in photography or drawing, you're always like trying to capture the truth. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's life and light. Yes, absolutely. I mean, where do we come from? We come from God, who is life and light. Yes, he is and those things. And I love that you mentioned, I'd never thought about, like, the overexposed. And I'm not a photographer, so I'm not, it's not like I'm intricately looking right. at photography. But um, it's interesting that you've seen that trend. And, yeah, shadows are, I mean, there's a balance going on. Mm-hmm. And, like, I love how you said that the shadows call you back to the memory because you've seen them in real Mm -hmm. life so when you're artificially erasing things with photoshop Mm -hmm. or with some filter or something it's there's that weird disconnect of that's not reality and then you don't identify with it absolutely well and you can't really have great light without shadow you have to have darkness you have to have both And you want them to be balanced. You know, you don't want it so underexposed that everything's hidden. That's not the point of the shadows either. But it helps to just illuminate what's important. Like a Rembrandt. You know, you get that beautiful, soft side window light. And you just have this this line of light falling across the face. And the rest is in shadow. And it's not... It's not black. It's not like you can't see anything. You can still see everything that the artist wants you to see. But but it's more beautiful because there is only so much light and only so much shadow. So I like the balance. Mm -hmm. Love the balance. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Heather, I remember when we were just getting to know each other. And you had told me about the desire that you had to teach your children about design and the principles in art, and that you just thought that you would naturally do that being a professional photographer and introducing it through photography, through digital photography. So tell me a little bit about your experience with that and what you've come to realize. Well, I never got to the elements and principles of art and design. I had very noble aspirations with teaching my children. However, as soon as I put a digital camera in their hands, they were off. (laughs) They were off making videos. Um, Yeah, I couldn't even put down fences fast enough before they were off taking the most ridiculous photos (laughs) of... Well, and it wasn't all ridiculous. You know, they wanted to document the towers they built or, but honestly, when I would look through their, and I gave them very small SD cards on old digital cameras, I would go through them and I would select which ones we would sit down together. That was probably honestly the most instructive time of our digital camera little adventure. We would sit down, I'd plop their SD card in my computer tower, and we would select which files were worth keeping. And so we'd look at them, and honestly, most of them were blurry. There were silly faces. There were a lot of talks about inappropriateness. We don't take pictures of 
our tushies dancing or, you know, just... <laughs> and um, so we kept a few good ones and then we could talk about why they were good and why they were worth keeping and we deleted the rest. But it got to a point where I had to just take them away because instead of it being a tool to teach them the elements and principles of art and design, like line or like shape or texture or balance or unity or any of the number of things I could teach them with, they just, they weren't ready. Coupled with the fact that digital photography was not a great medium for that. And I still don't, I'm not sure if that was just because they were children or if because there weren't tight enough parameters with it. I thought, like you said, because I'm a professional photographer, it would be a very easy transition, but it wasn't. And the more that I learn about Charlotte Mason, about spending time out of doors, about brush drawing, drawing in nature, drawing in context, the more I'm realizing they were never learning those things. They were never having experiences. They were just being silly and documenting silly things. Um, they weren't getting acquainted with anything outside worth knowing. And in fact, it, we, we did go on one nature walk. I remember that we had taken some photos of, it was a sense sensory nature walk from the, um, exploring nature with children curriculum. And it was a great way to start our year with a sensory nature walk, but we took some photos and we came back and we never did anything with them. They just stayed digital files. And even if we had drawn or tried to draw from our photos, it wouldn't be the same thing. I'm remembering times now where we've actually been outside in nature drawing or painting and those things, they're not fleeting. The files that I put on an SD card or my children put on an SD card, you don't remember them. There's nothing, well, there's nothing to remember. You're not saving it onto your brain. You're saving it onto another device to maybe look at later, to discard or to keep. And there's something about being in nature, experiencing nature or wherever you are. If we were going to go outside, for instance, and paint our tulips or the lilacs or the sky, we would actually be sitting out there. We would be feeling the breeze or whatever temperature it was, maybe it would be brushing through our hair or the sun would be falling across us or through some leaves, making them light up in this brighter green with kind of a, a gold color around it. Or maybe it would be the birds. We are hearing a symphony of bird song right now outside in the spring. And so we would be hearing those things and smelling 
lawnmower exhaust or um, the, the scent of the lilacs blowing on the breeze. All of those things so deeply embed in your brain and it compiles this memory. And so not only then are we painting or drawing the dandelion or the branch, we're having this moment that we'll remember forever because we spent time. And, you know, that's an entirely different conversation, quantity time versus quality time. I'm finding more and more as we homeschool and as we choose the slow, simple life that our culture's reassurance that it's quality time that matters and not quantity time, that's not, it's not holding up. Quantity time matters. The amount of time you spend doing something matters or with someone matters. And it's no different with going out and experiencing nature and drawing what we see or photographing what we see, spending time with it really does matter. And I think especially for children, all human beings are very tactile, but especially children, we need that experience and all of the senses that go with it. And when we just photograph it, when I stick that old little cannon power shot in her hand and she just goes to town walking outside taking pictures sloppy blurry pictures of everything that she sees there's nothing worth remembering there there's nothing sticking there because she didn't spend time actually experiencing it or looking at it she looked but she didn't see and i realized this this is really truly this is not harping on photography I am a professional photographer, <laughs> so please do not misunderstand me. I am not against photography, but I do believe <clears throat> anecdotally from watching my children interact with digital cameras, it is not the best way to introduce them to paying attention to art. And you know, as, as I'm learning with Charlotte Mason, the habit of attention is crucial to every other thing. If you cannot cultivate that in your child, if you cannot inspire them to pay attention, you've really got nothing. You have a very short um, leash on anything later on. So um, anyway, I have not found that, that digital photography lends itself well to the habit of attention when it gets right down to the root of it. So we have... We've benched the cameras. <laughs> they are stowed away now. They are not available whenever the children want them. And going forward, if we want to, if I would like to teach them anything about the elements and principles of art and design, it will likely be through um, drawing, whether that's the charcoal or brush drying. It has withstood the test of time. <laughs> it is used everywhere. What does John Ruskin say, Dallas? 
<laughs> well, he was a trained draftsman. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He had many words about photography. I have a quote from W.G. Collingwood, one of my favorite people to study right now. He has, he's been writing the Fesole Club papers by this point, and he's in paper number 10, I believe. It's entitled The Life School. He says within, the photographer as such is not a qualified observer. The habit of sketching makes one sensitive to impressions, sharpens the eye and the memory in a wonderful way. Of course, if a sketcher aim at being an artist pure and simple and looking only for effects, which will work up into pictures, and he sees only effects. But if he be interested in any branch of science, his sketching habit keeps him on the lookout. And the necessity for choosing the leading lines trains him to seize them in any case, much more when he is in the act of drawing. Now, for educational purposes, this is surely what we need, the habit of looking and the power of seeing. It is the horrid fact that most people are half-blind. They rush through the fine scenery in the railway or on bicycles or in a pedestrianizing mood. And if you ask them, did you see this or that? Well, they hadn't the time. There was a grand sunset the other night. Yes, they saw it. Did they notice the iridescence before the sun went down? No. The unusual shapes of Cirrus and their mysterious consent of movement? They don't remember. The strange obscurity of olive sky behind certain bright primrose golden flakes of flame? A very little questioning makes you ashamed to ask more. Your neighbor has looked with a half glance upon the sky and said the world is beautiful. For him, the drama of the sunset was played in vain. He was like a deaf man at an opera. While your sketching taught you to see, and perhaps helped you to fix the sight in your notebook. Did you catch the drama of the sunset the other night? (laughs) But he was even saying, like, they were satisfied with just the drama, but there was so much more happening, like, that they just missed. Because they they were okay with the grandiose of it but there were so many components that made it so dramatic and they missed it because they were just yep looks good looks dramatic looks like a sunset now dallas we are turning the tables i have been so intrigued with the work that you've done since i've met you what you do is something that i just want to be a part of I love being a part of it in any way I can. And your, your phrase, your, your logo and brand, bestowing the brush. What does bestowing the brush mean? I've, I've been so curious. (laughs) Why bestowing the brush? Well, this is interesting. Thanks for asking. (laughs) It's a good question. Caleb and I, so my husband and I, we talked about what to call this. And he sat me down one night and said, Dallas, you you love learning. You love sharing. You love art. And you love helping people. And I think that all of the words of this just encompass 
all of those ideas. I, I love researching. I love knowing. I love knowing more. But I, I think it's just useless without sharing. So, as I said earlier, I like to be evangelistic. <laughs> so, I'm thankful for people that reach out and tell me that they're encouraged by what I have to offer. It really helps me know that I'm affecting change or affecting people's attitudes. So I like that. And I think to a certain degree, you just want to know that you're not crazy. <laughs> when you when you have ideas and you want to share, I liked the word bestow because it sounded regal because we're a part of a rich education and training our children in that I wanted to make it sound like this is such a privilege that we get to study this and that we get to know this and that it's just another way that God's revealed himself so I guess the action verb part of it and then the brush I think the brush is really versatile it can mean painting it can mean drawing it can has a nice sound to it it's very there and um so bestowing the brush has a nice ring and I think it encompasses what I want to help people with in any small way that I can I'm not I'm (laughs) I'm not under any delusion that I'm I know everything I don't I'm learning alongside most of the people that I think listen to this podcast and follow the Instagram page so I also wanted it to be a community and have that atmosphere of culture and rubbing shoulders with people so yeah I think you do that really well I'm thinking back to some of the first episodes that you shared you said that these were your narrations you were learning from a number of different sources from Ruskin and Collingwood from Charlotte Mason, from Katie Bowman, from all all of these sources that you were pulling from, you were essentially packaging them up, connecting the dots for us, and then narrating it and sharing it with us so that we could see the connection, which wasn't there before. So that's, I, I thought that was really valuable not just for the information that you shared, but also the example showing us what narration looks like. Mm-hmm. It is a great way to be accountable mm-hmm. when you know you have people listening. I don't know. I assume it's kind of like, you know, the oral narration turns into the written narration turns into the, you know, if, you know, if you give a speech or something, I would imagine that that's how it kind of builds. I think that people just want to hear other people talk too, you know, and you want your content to be good, but you, and you don't want to waste people's time. Mm-hmm. So it, it keeps me accountable to keep learning and to keep sharing in a way that is composed, mm-hmm. you know, it's and not brief. everything. Yeah. Not everything is like, this is purely a narration from memory, but it's. It's enough of a narration. If you were to look at my 
podcast notes, it's a lot of chicken scratch. And <laughs> I feel sorry for the people that have to <laughs> delete my files someday. Like, what is okay yeah what are these all these notes <laughs> I understand them but um anyway just I think I don't know podcasting is such a new medium too we're just I mean I think I, I heard a statistic the other day that said that 10 percent of people listen to podcasts just in the U.S. so it's not even made its full mm-hmm. it's like when video came out well, I know so, personally, I would much rather listen to a podcast than sit down on my computer and read an article with a million links and quotes. And yeah, while it's good information, it becomes cumbersome. Whereas if I can listen to it, I might have to take notes, but I have the liberty to pause and do that if I need to or pause and attend to my homemaking, homeschooling duties. So yeah, Mm -hmm. podcasts are a wonderful way to reach people. And, you know, I, I have heard an episode here or there, and there are some great resources for implementing brush drawing, but this, this sort of transcends just brush drawing. It's a bigger conversation and we're bringing in way more people you are bringing in way more people than uh, just Charlotte Mason or is it Emmeline Steinthal? And, um, you know, we've got some big heavy hitters here with Ruskin, with Collingwood, and I know that they were contemporaries of Charlotte Mason. And so still a lot of very similar thoughts, similar ideas. They were building on each other. But yeah, this, you're, you're not a, the one-stop shop, but you're a wonderful resource. Just this really natural, fluid conversation. Maybe this would be a really great time too, to share with us about who this is for. So you have Bestowing the Brush. Who do you want to help when you are generating your podcast ideas and having these conversations who who are these for if not just for yourself okay so I would say who I have in mind when I'm recording or if I'm writing up a post or sort of constructing a video or have an idea I'm thinking kind of like you are when you're in the thick of raising children, um, the help that you wish you had and the help that you need going through this. And I think several people by now have used the term handholding. Maybe it has kind of a negative connotation, but I don't think it has to be because I mean, who are we kidding if we don't, if we cannot admit that we're, we don't know what to do. Not that I have all the answers, but If I can in any way help someone in something that comes easily to me, I want to articulate that. I hope that I've been helpful to people and I'm getting great feedback about it. So I'm encouraged all the time. Thank you, all of you out there who write me 
and um, mention me and say just wonderful things because it really does encourage me. So thank you. I, and not just mothers, I think that this, like we've talked about so many times that Charlotte Mason's ideas goes beyond just the mother at home with her children. I think it, it works in any situation. So I think following the idea that God has put our world in certain parameters and has stated truth that we can rest securely on those principles and ideas. And I think if we're just constantly being reminded of those realities and truths that everything's going to be okay and you may not be the best artist in the world. Uh, no one expects you to be, but it is worth knowing and dipping your toes into. And there's no shame in that at all. So I'd love to encourage people to try something new and try to work around their difficulties and, you know, not to make excuses for yourself, but to just do the hard work because there's always something wonderful at the end of a lot of hard work. So, yeah, one of the things I have seen from your podcast and your Instagram posts is that bestowing the brush really isn't just for homeschool mommies who need another resource or a voice on understanding brush drawing. This is for so much more. Um, you've told me before, this is for the, the humble home sketcher who just wants to do a better job of paying attention and translating what they see and getting better. It doesn't mean that they're going to be the best. I mean, there are enough books filled with the best and <laughs> websites filled with the best and you don't need to be the best. We don't need to be the best, but we do need to pay attention and we do need to cultivate that desire, that awareness, really, truly looking and seeing the world around us and in the best way we can, putting that on paper or whatever medium it is you've chosen. You know, obviously you talk about brush drawing a lot and um, painting or drawing in general, but yeah, this really is for anybody who wants to better translate what they see. This has been so fun with you this evening. Mm -hmm. We are recording in the evening right now. And thanks for taking time to do this. Thanks for sharing your great perspective on photography and what you've done in your professional life and all about your homeschool and what you're life is looking like now I think it'll be encouraging for people well thank you for inviting me into your home to have a conversation about this I I'm really loving this life that we're living right now I love getting to chat about it with you and thanks for having me you're welcome 
sending a video. Oh, I don't want to read Swedish Drill. Just show me Swedish Drill. <laughs> <sighs>